Hey guys, over the course of the last six years, I looked it up, 2017 was the first time that we ran the Awakening series, so it's been six years now. We've begun the year with an Awakening series and an Awakening experience. So if you're new to our church in this last year, or you have been coming, but you're kind of hazy on what Awakening is or whatever, today's message is for you. We're going to get common ground. Everybody's going to get on the same page today. This is a really common practice among Christian faith organizations, beginning the year in prayer or fasting or intentionally positioning yourself to receive from God. I just did, a, I was just thinking about how common might this be. And so we use this uh, a service that helps us develop our, um, our graphic and our media. So when you see things on the screens and you get things on the flyers and stuff, a lot of that we use a, a, a site that helps us build those things. And so I just was curious. I started looking through the site and seeing how much of the content is about prayer, fasting, or 21 days of awakening experience like this. And what I came up with was that 13% of the content is about prayer, fasting, or 21-day awakening experience. That's more than they had about Jesus. That's more than love or faith. Isn't that kind of crazy that there's so much content out there about this subject? And why is that? Prayer and fasting is the practices that create space in our life where we can intentionally interact with God. And it's so incredibly important. Martin Luther famously declared that he had so much business that he cannot get by without spending at least three hours a day in prayer. Mother Teresa spent an hour in the morning during the holy hour and two hours before evening service every single day in prayer. Jesus fasted and prayed for 40 days and 40 nights, often waking up and slipping away from the crowds to spend time alone in prayer. Daniel prayed three times a day, morning, noon, and night. And Jacob literally wrestled with God all night, which is a really interesting take on prayer that I don't know if we'll get to in this series. But maybe for you, and I felt this too, is that, you know, for most normal people, hearing those kinds of examples of prayer may not be inspiring to you. Richard Foster says it this way. He says, many of us, however, are discouraged rather than challenged by such examples. Those giants of the faith are so far beyond anything we have experienced that we are tempted to despair. And this sentence is comforting to me because I am not Mother Teresa. And I'm not Martin Luther King. And so when it comes to this experience, and if you are feeling a little bit like awakening, I'm just too busy to do something like that. Or I don't know what to say, I don't know how to pray. How do you pray for 21 days, let alone just today? I have low blood sugar. I, I have to eat three meals and snacks in between. I couldn't possibly fast. I did awakening last year. Why do I need it this year? I honestly just don't want to. Or maybe I want to, but I think it will be too hard. If you're starting to think of any of those thoughts or having excuses or thoughts are coming to your mind that might excuse you from doing the awakening experience, know that you're in good company today. And hopefully I will encourage you today and help you to figure out a way to implement an individual and specific awakening plan that will fit you and your lifestyle this January season. Hmm. You know, have you guys ever thought about how much of our life is run in rhythms? Go to bed, wake up a certain time, our, our year is run a certain time. 
uh, is pretty common, but maybe what you're not aware of is how much of our daily and yearly lives is run on the season and rhythms of candy. <laughs> Have you ever thought about that? Every year, we run on candy. Valentine's Day, chocolates. Easter, bunny, chocolates. Fourth of July, popsicle, snow cones, or root beer floats. Halloween, candy corn. Thanksgiving, pumpkin pie. Christmas, chocolate coins in your stockings. My life is basically organized around Keebler elves and everything they produce and send out of that stupid tree. You know, every year... And every season, every holiday that that happens, and my kids amass a, a, a small fortune of candy somehow, some way, we do a cleansing in our house. Not a spiritual, demonic kind of cleansing, but a, uh, a candy cleansing in our house. We go through, once the kids are all asleep, and we go through all the cupboards, and we pull everything out, and we're like, this is not worth the caloric intake, and we throw that away, and we keep certain things. And we do this especially at the beginning of the year. The beginning of the year, Amy and I are usually very motivated to be healthier, a little bit physically more active, and exercise more. And so one of those things that we do is that we pause through and we take inventory and we just clean house. Because really what we want to do is we want to be more present. We want to be off of our phones. We want to be off of social media more. So we delete our apps. We make our smartphones dumb phones. We want to be more intentional with our marriage. And so we put the video game system in the closet. And we put a, you know, shut the TV off and stop our streaming services. We just find ways to spend a little bit of time at the beginning of the year to be intentional and to prepare us for who we want to be that year. The awakening experience is exactly that. It is this cleansing or this time of intentionality of stopping things, good things, not necessarily bad things. Stopping the normal things in our life so that we can be more aware, take inventory, clean out and empty out so God can fill us. Awakening is much, much more about stopping and emptying and presenting ourselves to God, and what I said this last week, than what we can do for him. Awakening is more about what God is doing in us than what we can do for him. We echo Paul's thoughts in Ephesians chapter 3 here. He says, now... All glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. And this is really, really hard for us go-getter kind of people. We're go, go, go. I was talking to my sister a few weeks ago. She is an adult. I mean, she's a, a grown adult into a career and all these things. But she said, when I hear my parents' footsteps, Come down the hallway, I still jump and tr up and try to look productive. Like there's just something in us that, oh, we got to look good. i got to look like I'm doing something. And that's the underlying foundation for a lot of us. The thought of resting and stopping in many of our minds equals worthlessness. And the thought of doing and accomplishing, working hard and playing hard in our mind, in our culture, gives us the idea of value. But God actually built stopping and resting into that core rhythm of how humans are supposed to live their lives. I know I've said this before, but it's worth mentioning. We're human beings, not human doings, right? We become present, become aware. Making ourselves aware of God's presence by intentional focus. And that's really what the awakening experience is. You know, when Amy and I first got married... And maybe if you guys could think back to those first weeks and months and moments of when you started that relationship, you were just obsessed with that person. 
You want to spend all your time with that person. And at that time, when we first started dating, I had a Park Avenue Buick, still by far the best vehicle I have ever owned in my whole life. An amazing, amazing car. I think it got something like 300,000 miles, used as like a work truck, just an awesome vehicle. So me and my wife, well, the best thing about that vehicle, though, was that the middle console seat in the front flipped up so you could put three people in the front. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, okay. And so when we first started dating, there's three seats. I'm in the driver's seat. Where do you think Amy sat? Right there, baby. We're right there. Loved it. It was great. But you know, once in a while, we'd have those little tiffs or frustrations, and maybe I say something really stupid and offend her, and where do you think she goes? <laughs> to the side window, right? She creates a little bit of space from me. And this is where the metaphor falls apart, okay? Because, uh, but realize that God never changes his position in, in relation to us. Right? He's always there. He's always present, always in the same, that, that same seat. But in this life, he's given us the gift of choice. And so you are allowed to choose your proximity to God. You are allowed to have as much of him as you want and as little to do with him as you want. If you think about heaven and hell, that's actually at this base level just a, a, a release to your desire. You don't want God. Hell is a place without God's presence. And you want God's presence. Heaven is a place that is completely full of his presence. He will give you what you desire and what you want most. And so awakening experience is this crash course, this stop, full stop at the beginning of our year to make sure that we are in the seat that we want to be in. Making sure that we are prioritizing that relationship with God. Making sure that he's not changed, but have I done anything, put anything up? Is there anything inside me that has created a barrier between me and him? And so it's an intentional time of stopping and making ourselves aware of his presence and positioning ourselves into proximity and relationship with him. Amen? And that's really what the awakening experience is about. You know, one year when we did this experience, I did a detox. It went on this little diet that was really just cut all the bad things, all the things that make life worth living. It was like, cut that out of your life. You could just eat like lettuce. It was disgusting. But I did that, and a few days into it, and this was, again, I just want to make this really clear, purely for health reasons, nothing spiritual about it, okay? But I did it during the Awakening series, so I lined it up. And so we did that, and a few days into it, I noticed all these big, very splotches, started appearing on my hands and they're really itchy and lotion wasn't helping and nothing was helping and so I finally went to just a, a quick uh, ready med place just to check it out and they said oh it's just it's a it looks like you're just detoxing and so what I had done is that I'd eaten so many oatmeal cream pies in the past year that my body rebelled when I stopped the supply Okay, that's what I had done. I had done. I didn't realize I had all those toxins inside of me until I stopped the intake of them. That's how unhealthy I was in 2017, okay? But many of us, maybe we don't even know the baggage, the spiritual unhealth that we are carrying under the surface because we've been feeding it and maintaining it. Maybe we don't even know what will come out if we actually took time to stop and to pause. An interesting thing is that Amy and I, when we practice Sabbath, it's, it's startling sometimes is that when we stop, the emotions or the feelings I've been carrying around for a week 
that I didn't even know what I was feeling started to come out to the service because I'm actually giving myself time to stop and to reflect and to pause. And this is what awakening is, is making yourself aware, coming to God, stopping, positioning, opening yourself up to him and saying, God, I want more and more of you. And who knows what's under the surface? You know, I, it's crazy to me that it's a new year. How many people are still recovering from the holidays that we just got through? Nobody. It's just me. Okay, I see one in the back. Okay, at least I have one friend. And so I don't know about you guys, but man, through all the parties and the sickness and the services and rushing here and rushing there and uh, dealing with this and that, it's like I've not even realized that it's a new year. And so I'm excited when it comes to this idea of awakening. Awakening to me is that I, I really actually look forward to it. I look forward to intentionally stopping with my family doing certain things because it usually means that I'll be more present. It usually means that I'll stop these forms of entertainment and I'll go to bed earlier and I'll be more rested. It usually means I'll stop eating certain types of food that are unhealthy and my body will feel better. It usually means that I have more time to play with my kids and, and be with my wife and to read more books and to be, uh, do things I don't normally take time to do. I feel amazing usually coming out of the awakening experience. So why don't I just do it all the time? Why don't we just do the things that we know are right to do all of the time? And this is, Paul answers this in Romans chapter 7. He says, so the trouble is not with the law, for it's spiritual and good. The trouble is with me, for I'm all too human. I don't know if anybody can relate to that. The problem is with me. I'm all too human, a slave to sin. I don't really understand myself, for I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. And I know that nothing good lives in me. That is my sinful nature. I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyways. And often that's the way I find myself, is doing the things that I don't want to do instead of the things that I want to do. Lord, I, I want to I spend more time reading the word. Lord, I want to wake up with you in prayer. Lord, I want to go to bed with you. Last thing on my thoughts, but this thing popped up, or this entertainment thing happened, and, or I just got too busy, or I'm too tired, and there's excuse after excuse after excuse. Being desire-driven, task-oriented, goal-motivated people, often the day-to-day -day drive of life simply just overrides our desire for healthy and thriving spiritual lives. The demands of work and parenting and life overtake our desires to be spiritually healthy. The lure of sin, that old life, the thing that we're trying to get away, the ways of life that we know are wrong, but we pursue them anyway. Because sin is strong. And it's that daily war to take off that old person. A few weeks ago we talked about the old way of life versus the new way of life. It is a daily struggle to set those things aside and to put on the way of life that you know is good and wholesome. The way of life that you know will create an abundant and thriving life inside of you. That's an intentional choice, and it takes effort. John Mark Comer, a guy I quote often, he says, Most of us are too lazy to be spiritually healthy. God created a system where you have to work for it. You know, one of the places that I grew up on vacation was going to the Michigan Lake. My family would go there every single summer. We usually grab a couple other families and go camp for a week, and we just spend time on the beach, and cooking is just wonderful. But one of my favorite things to do, and still my favorite things to do, is nap. 
And one of the things I would do at the beach was create an inner tube and go float and just lay down in the sun and the cool water and just close my eyes for a little bit and just sit there. And what's surprising is when you can do that just for a few moments, and you open your eyes and you realize how far you've drifted from where you started. It's crazy. You're all of a sudden out where boats are honking at you and dolphins are like slapping you. Not in Michigan Lake, but other places, I'm sure. And where you're all the way down the shore and you're like, where in the world? And I have to look. Where's my family? You never drift to where you want to be. Where you want to be takes intentional choice. It takes effort. And to be spiritually healthy, to be present and aware, to be a more loving and caring person, to be more spiritually filled this year, you will not simply just drift into it. It won't just happen by proximity, by hanging out with people that you know are like that, or by just putting your Bible on top of your head and just saying, get inside me. That's not going to happen. You actually have to open it and read it. Eat it and get it inside of you. It takes intentionality. Pastor Josh, you said you were asking me not to do more. You said that you were telling me to just stop doing things, and you're right. This awakening experience is not about trying to read as much as you can or pray 20, 21 days straight or to fast 21 straight so that you can just get your spiritual power up to go through the year. The 21 days of awakening is a, a stopping and allowing God to just do what he will. Who knows if you gave yourself 21 days at the beginning of the year, well, God might speak to you. There might be things inside you you didn't even know that you were dealing with. But to pause and to break and to intentionally take time to say, Lord, for 21 days, I'm not going to watch TV. What might happen? What, God, what might God speak in those times that we normally just fill with noise and entertainment? Not that TV is all bad. But awakening is stopping things, even good things, and allowing God to speak to us. And that's really what we're doing for the next 21 days, friends, is just stopping our normal week activities so we could come together on Wednesday nights and pray. So that you might spend some time, maybe you skip your lunch and you sit in your car and you pray. Or maybe you sit in your car and you just take a nap and you rest more. You make your phone a dumb phone and you go to sleep earlier. You make a habit of waking up 15 minutes early to pray or to just be quiet and to sip your coffee and to light a candle. It's about stopping things and just being more present and aware of God and what he'll do in your life. Our mission statement at Church in the Rock is connecting you to God, people, purpose, and hope. And the first line of the sentence is the most important, connecting to God. It is the most important thing in your life, and it is the thing that you are responsible for. Nobody can pray for you. I can pray for you, but you, I can't pray for you. Do you understand what I'm saying? Stupid joke, I'm sorry. Your connection to God will affect every other relationship in your life. Nobody can pray for you. Nobody can read your Bible for you. Nobody can show up for you at church or do the things that grow your awareness or your relationship with God. Nobody can force you to change seats. If Amy was mad at me in that car, do you think it's going to help if I grab her arm and pull her closer to me? No. Words and relationship and time, it takes, that has to be an intentional choice. Abuse comes out of a force in a relationship. 
Love is allowing a person to choose and to be a part and have equal say in that relationship. You have a part and a responsibility in your relationship to God. Nobody can do it for you. Your proximity is a gift, and you're the only one that can make that choice of where you want to move. We have this example. I do this in premarital. And if you can imagine just a giant triangle right now. And so at one end is you. The other end is every single relationship you have in your life. At the top of the triangle is God. The more that you focus on God, you begin to ascend that triangle. And naturally, as you ascend and get closer to God, you will naturally draw closer to the relationships around you. The naturally, the closer you get in proximity to God, the more of his likeness, more of his character will begin to come and display itself through your life. You want to be a more loving father or uh, wife? Get closer to God. You want to be a more patient parent and kind? Then get closer to God. You want to be a more effective at your work as an employee or as a boss? Get closer to God. You want to be a better neighbor? You want to be just not to be so mad on the road? Get closer to God. Because when you prioritize anything else, and if you imagine if you're at the end of the triangle and everything else is below your feet, as you move down that triangle, you move away from God, you'll naturally move away from the person that you want to be. You'll naturally move farther and position yourself farther from the relationships in your life. But nobody can force you to go up the triangle. That's just your intentional choice. Can I just take a second and just pray for you? Lord, right now, I pray, God, that the next 21 days that you would speak clearly. Lord, I pray that you would build an excitement and motivation in us, God, to own our spirituality. God, I pray that you would begin, that this wouldn't feel far off or hard to jump into, God, but that you would give us those first steps forward. God, maybe 15 minutes or an hour of prayer is too far for us. But what's the first next step you want us to do? What would our awakening experiences look like? Lord Jesus, speak to us, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. So the rest of our time today, friends, I just want to give you three a crash course on three basic spiritual practices that we do and participate in during the awakening experience. That's prayer, fasting, and abstaining. And so I just want to give you a few maybe helpful uh, practices or ideas or thoughts because really the awakening experience is specific to you. We're going to get to her at the very end of today. The only thing that we're doing corporately is the Wednesday night prayer nights. Otherwise, whether you pray or you fast or you abstain from something is your own personal choice, and it's your choice as a family. And so I'm not calling everybody to do the same thing today. I'm calling you to intentionally look at it and what, are you, what is right for you. And so the very first of these is prayer. Growing up, my prayers really took three forms. I would pray for the impossible. And I still do this every time I go to Culver's after church. Lord, help this cheeseburger. That double cheeseburger with everything on it, with a side of fries and upgrade to cheese, you know, cheese curds. Lord, please somehow make this healthy for my body. Please somehow transform those trans fats as it touches my mouth into a lettuce and just make it healthy for my body. I pray for the impossible. Lord, help me to do well on this test I didn't study for. Lord, help me to feel energy today as I get up at 6 when I didn't go to bed last night till 2. 
I pray for the impossible. I would pray out of habit. We were raised to pray every morning and night, and more often my morning prayers was just an extension uh, of my sleep. I would get up, I would go put my knees on the ground, I'd put my head on the couch, and I would just fall asleep. <laughs> my mom would say, are you sleeping? I'm like, no, 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 I'm just like in the spirit. I'm like so out of it. <laughs> and then I would deal make with God a lot of times. Lord, if you do this for me, then I'll do this for you. Lord, I really want this, so if you do that, I won't say a bad word for a week. I'll treat my sister right. I won't lie to my mom. And so none of those things are really healthy, and none of those are how we should approach prayer, but maybe some of those things feel real to you. I didn't have a very healthy view of what prayer was. I didn't understand its purpose. It felt too wordy, too elegant, and felt like I should be passionate about it, and I just didn't feel like I had those things in me, especially at 7 a.m., in the living room, on the couch, I didn't have any passion or excitement for prayer. I was just trying to extend my sleep. Recently, I started a book called uh, Prayer for Normal People by Pete Grigg. And it's, I just want to give you a few quick examples or a few tips from him as you begin to develop this prayer practice on your own. The first is three simple pieces of information. Keep it simple, keep it real, and keep it up. Simple is one of the frequent reasons that I hear people not pray. I don't know how. I don't know how to stand up and to pray those long prayers I hear on Wednesday night. I don't know the right words to say. I don't, I, I'm going to mess it up. I don't know what to say. And so maybe when you're coming to prayer, maybe one of your stumbling blocks is that you don't know how to approach prayer. You, the examples that you see on stage or the people around you sound so well-worded. How do you even come up with all those words to say? There's a book out right now that's called Help, Thanks, Wow. Three essential prayers. This lady makes the argument that that's the three prayers that you need in life. I don't necessarily agree with that statement, but I love the idea. Is that most of the things in life that you need to pray for are as simple as help, thank you, and wow, that was awesome. That was, all the, that was all a God thing. There's no way that he could do it. You know, a, sim, a really simple area like this. Last week when I was message prepping, I picked up a book. I, for me, when I read books, I'll read ten books at a time. And I'll read one to halfway through them. And then I just, for whatever reason, often don't finish a book. I'm really bad at it. But I'll start a book, get interested, put it on my shelf. And I'll sit there for months and I'll pick it up and read a chapter and do the next one. So last week I was picked up a book. I hadn't read for probably about three or four months, and I read the next section that I was in, and it was exactly over the scripture, Ephesians 4, 17, that we, I was message prepping for. To me, that was a wow God moment. I wasn't looking for this. I didn't pick this book up as a resource. I just picked it up just to read it out of the pile. And here's one and a half pages specifically on what I was working to teach on or working a message on. Wow, God, thank you. Help. Thanks. Wow. Keep it real. You know, a lot of times we try to come to God like we come to Sunday, our, our Sunday best. You know, the most fights I had growing up were on the way home and the way to church. But at church, we were good. We were like, we're united. No more fighting. I'm sorry I punched you. I'm sorry I'm crying. I'm sorry I was irritating. Keep it together for the next two hours, and then I'll punch you at the end of service, okay? It was kind of like that. Like, we'll just get through this, and then I'll be real again. You don't need to be fake with God. He is God, and he knows everything about you. 
some of, I'm not going to say the best, but some of the most memorable prayers I've ever prayed in my life was going out to a park in the middle of the night, being hurt and frustrated and sitting on a park bench and literally looking at the sky and yelling at God. I'm so frustrated that this happened. I'm so mad that this happened. I'm so hurt that this person would do this. Why would you let this happen in my life? And when you look at the Psalms, most of the Psalms are like that. Lord, I'm feeling distraught. Lord, I've soaked my bed in tears. Lord, I'm just hurt. My enemies are everywhere. Where are you? God's not scared of your honesty. He's not worried about you coming and trying to present the, this picture of who you want to be. He wants the real you. He wants your heart. He wants to know you. And he is a good father, a good parent. One of the goals in parenting that Amy and I have that we are strive to do is that we would be a place of safety where our kids can come and talk to us about anything. That's what I strive to be, is that they could come and not feel shame, not feel uh, uh, frustrated, not feel like we would be a place that they would just immediately jump on their backs, but be a, a safe place that they could come talk to us. God wants to be like that to you. He wants to be this safe place that you can come and fully express yourself to him. Because prayer really is just a conversation with God. Every love relationship is built on communication. It either grows if you look at your relationship and it, it's not as good as it used to be or is better than it used to be, I would really argue that it's because of your communication. That you are communicating with that person in a way that you're knowing them better and better or you've, taken the, or you've let other things get in the way where you've not begun to know them as well. It will either increase or erode your relationships. So keep it simple, keep it real, and then keep it up. Often, it can feel like, Lord, where are you in my prayers? I've prayed this one time, how come this mountain hasn't moved? Like, I spent five minutes in prayer, why haven't you done it? Sometimes I hear people say, I pray and I don't hear anything. Which is why you have a Bible. God's written word. And so if you don't hear from God, maybe your prayer looks a little bit more like you stop talking and just read what God has to say to you. Maybe just read a psalm and listen to God. Maybe just read through the gospel in the next 21 days. Pick Mark, it's 16 chapters, very short, power packed. I'm just going to read through this in the next six, 21 days and just let read it and be quiet and listen. What is God trying to say to you? Keep it up. Just push through. You know, um, I just want to give you guys a, just a few quick ideas of how you could pray in the next 21 days. Wake up 15 minutes early. Sit in your favorite chair with your favorite morning drink. Go to bed the last 15 minutes of your night. Before you go to bed, shut your phone off and spend time just sitting there with God. Perhaps on your 20-minute commute to work, you, on the way, you said intentionally, I'm not going to listen to the radio. I'm not going to listen to a podcast or music. I'm going to sit and pray. Moms, Parents at home, after lunchtime, two episodes of Bluey will buy you 16 minutes. And you can put that on. You have 16 minutes of kid-free time at the middle of the day. And you can go and you can just spend 16 minutes. Mom's lighting the candle. There's the TV. Don't come talk to me. Survive for 16 minutes. And that could be your time for prayer. Next is fasting. That's just some ideas on prayer. What does it look like for you? Fasting, very, very simply, and the rest of these guys is really fast. Fasting is, at its bare minimum, 
to not eat or to not drink anything of substance. You know, one year uh, we used to be a part of this, I used to be part of this ministry that did a monthly fast of all the staff. And so we started fasting and we knew that we couldn't eat anything. We're like, well, we could still drink things. That's good. And so we're like, hey, do you want to go buy a gallon of chocolate milk? And so me and my buddy Johnson William were sitting on the kitchen floor, like passing a jug of milk around like two booze heads, just sitting there drinking this, passing it back and forth. And the, my buddy Andy goes in, and what are you guys doing? We're fasting. We're like, we're not eating anything. He's like, that's substance. It's just clear liquids. And so fasting at its very base is just stop eating. It's this idea of that we're going to let go of something normal, and you're going to feel desire. Just trust me, look, none of us are going to starve by going without food for one day or even one meal. But you're going to feel it because your stomach's accustomed to getting fed three meals a day, snacks in between. And so you're going to feel these pains like I'm hungry, but that's just your stomach telling you, feed me more oatmeal cream pies. Be stronger than that. Tell it no. And so you might just start wherever you're at. Skip breakfast. Spend the time you're going to eat, that 10 minutes or 5 minutes or shoving that muffin in your mouth on your way to work, whatever that is for you. Just spend that time quiet. Put a psalm on. Listen to some worship music. And just invite God's presence in. Do that. Maybe do breakfast and then lunch. And then maybe go dinner to dinner. Where for three weeks, you're going to try three fasts. And just see, go with where you're at. And don't become legalistic about it. Sometimes at the end of my fast, I'm so angry because I'm like, all I'm doing this for is because I'm just trying to fast so I can say I fasted. I'm just mad. Do you think that's honoring to God? No. Go eat a cracker or a carrot stick. Just eat something that's not delicious and you'll be back on course. Friends, if you deal with addiction, if you struggle with an unhealthy relationship to food or to drink or pornography, I would encourage you to really seriously consider fasting during this awakening experience. When you start asserting self-control in a certain area of your life, it will bleed into the other areas of your life. And so if you're here today and you have an unhealthy relationship with anything in your life, your phone or TV or pornography or sexuality or drinking or eating or whatever, I would encourage you to study and look and consider fasting. It's an incredible spiritual discipline that's the most probably underutilized in our American culture. We'd rather throw money at it than stop eating. We did a whole series on fasting last year, Awakening, and so if you want a more in-depth study, I think we have like five or five sermons or something like that on it from last year. You can go to the archives and look at more of that. But really simply, fasting is a stop eating. It's a fasting from food and it's a feasting on God's presence. When you feel that hunger, use that as a prayer. Lord, give me a hunger for more of you in my life. Lord, help me to desire you as much as I want my next meal. And it's incredible what God will do. Um, one quick note before we get to abstaining. Fasting should not be done by diabetics, children, women who are pregnant or nursing, or by those with serious diseases who are sick or infirmed. If fasting would be harmful to you, then abstaining would be the better route for you to go. One year when I was still the youth pastor here and I was prepping the kids for awakening experience and I was trying to describe what fasting is, abstaining is, I said, how are you guys going to participate? And I asked one girl, how are you going to participate in the awakening experience? And she said, well, I'm going to fast milk. I said, what? Why? 
And she, I said, that, that kind of seems weird. And that's often I would get, I would, you know, ask kids, students, what are you going to fast? I'm going to fast homework. I'm going to fast listening to my parents. Like, okay, great. Great. You're really, I'm glad you're listening to the sermon. So why, why are you going to fast from milk? And so the response was, you have no idea how much I love milk. Like, okay, that seems sincere. I, that checks out. Abstaining is taking anything in your life, and it can be good things, and just simply stopping for a while. The most famous fast probably in the Bible, the Daniel fast, is not a fast. It's abstaining from certain foods. This Daniel and his friends only ate vegetables and water for 10 or 21 days. And that's abstaining. It's not fasting. It's okay. You can get the words mixed up. But a great, maybe for you, would be for 21 days, forego carbs or bread, alcoholic drinks, dessert, sweets, snacks, TV, phone apps, milk, or most whatever else is in your mind that might cause a distracting relationship from you. I've heard of families that said, we're, we're, not, we're just going to abstain from snacks. We're just going to eat three meals a day. I've heard people say, we're going to abstain from uh, watching any TV except for a family movie night on the weekend. We're going to abstain, da-da-da-da-da. You can figure out whatever works well for you. But it's a restricted diet versus a complete stop on food. Friends, everything in band, you guys can come forward. Everything that we're talking about today is just an invitation. Nothing that I've said today is, I'm not going to check in with you and say, uh, Jake, how's your prayer and fasting going these next 21 days? Good, thumbs up, great. I'm not going to do that. This is all just an invitation for you. Your relationship with God, your intimacy with God, your proximity to God is your responsibility. And you can have as much of him as you want or as little of him as you want. The, the thing that we are going to do corporately, though, is the prayer socials. So, Pastor Josh, you're asking me to fast and abstain from sweets, and then you're going to have an ice cream every week? Yes! Yes, I am. Because I really want families, I want kids, I want students to come to four prayer nights in a row. I want you guys to show up. I want prayer night to be the most exciting thing in your kindergartner's life. I want them to say, Mom, is it Wednesday? I want to go to church to get ice cream. We're going to make eating ice cream a spiritual practice this season. Okay? That's what we're going to do. And so for three weeks in a row, and the fourth one, we're going to end with a normal prayer night. We're going to do six to seven prayer right here for all ages. Sydney already told you the band will be here. A lot of them are youth students, which they've just been doing a phenomenal job. We're going to worship together. We're going to pray together. And it'll look like this. It'll be individual where we'll lead you through an individual prompt. Pray this in your life right now. And then it might be groups. We might say, hey, find a buddy, somebody that's right next to you, or as a family, gather up and pray this over your family. And then we'll spend time corporately praying as a whole church Lifting our voice, giving people a chance to pray for things, come forward for healing or for whatever else is in your life. It's going to be a wonderful, incredible time. I'm really excited about it. But I'd ask you to intentionally choose to come to that. If you do not resolve now to come to it, what's going to happen is Wednesday night's going to roll around and you say, ah, I wanted to go, but I'm too tired today. It was a stressful day. We haven't fed the kids. And da 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 da, and the excuses will find themselves in. What I'm asking you to do is the beginning of the year, 21 days, three weeks in a row, as a whole church, I want to start this year in prayer. 
Somebody asked me a few weeks ago, what does 2023 look like for Church in the Rock? And honestly, I don't want to be the only voice in that. I want your participation in where this church goes this year. I want this to be a us thing and not a me telling you what to do thing. I want prayer to be something that we as a whole church prioritize and come together and do. If prayer and the idea of doing prayer night is intimidating to you, I will not embarrass you. I promise now I'll not force you to get up on the mic and to pray in front of a bunch of people. But I can tell you that prayer is better caught than taught. That we can talk about it and tell you what to do and tell you how to do it, but that's not a great way to get it into your life. The way that I learned to pray is by going to church and to see other adults and watch my mom and watch mentors have people pray for me, and then I started modeling it. I started doing the things that they did, and I started implementing those things in my life. And so I really, really ask you now, do you participate in the prayer night these next few weeks? The one other resource for you is on the web and the app. There's a 21-day devotional. Our awakening starts on January 11th, which is this Wednesday, and it goes to the end of the month. So you can use that devotional if that would help you. And the very last thing that I want to give you, church, before we end today is under your seats. You may have already found it. Julie, I see you have yours. Is this awakening guide. On one side, it says awakening prep. You'll have prayer. There's one, I'd encourage you to find a quiet time and just read through this and say, Lord, how do I want to grow? How do you want me to grow in prayer this season? Lord, how could I or should I participate in fasting? And is there anything that God might be asking me to stop for 21 days to present myself to you more fully? After that, friends, is that we have a prayer guide for you. The idea is pause, rejoice, ask, and yield. And this guide's here that it might work you through that. So maybe you say, you know what, I'm going to wake up 10 minutes early, but I don't really know how to do prayer for 21 days. Just try this. Start your day quiet. Set a timer for three minutes and be quiet. Pause. And then rejoice. What could you be thankful to God for? And then ask him. What are you looking at your day? Where might you need his presence? Where might you need his power? Where might you need more patience or love in your life? Ask him to fill you. And then lastly, yield. Give control back to God and say, God, your will, your way, help me to participate and follow you well today. On the back side, friends, you'll see this simple prayer card. Prayer can look as simple as this. There's three times here, three weeks. Put a name, put a person, put something you're praying for and for that first week when you wake up before you go to bed during your lunch hour just pull out this card and pray for those things 21 days I prayed for my wife and my kids 21 days I prayed that God would just help me to have a hunger for his word 21 days I prayed that God would give me more patience or be more loving 21 days I prayed over my finances 21 days I prayed over that work project whatever it is Prayer is not complicated. Keep it simple. Just put those down. May that be helpful to you. Church, we just stand with me now? I just want to pray this one quick psalm over you, and the band will lead us out And after this. 
Father God, we just present ourselves to you, Lord. Lord, I pray that nobody feels condemned or overwhelmed. I pray right now that you would just be opening us up to your presence and that you would just individually and specifically be showing us what awakening might look like for us this year, Father. Show us, God, how we might incorporate prayer or fasting or abstaining into our lives, Father. And more importantly, God, would you just begin to fill us? Would you begin to make us aware of your presence? Would you begin to show us what you want us to be this next year? Would you empty us from anything that is unclean or unholy or not of you, distracting or separating us from you, Father? Psalms 51.10 says, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a loyal spirit within me.